Deb is going to read from a part of the Bible that we don't spend a lot of time in. We don't spend a lot of time in Proverbs. The scripture is a little longer today. But given that we're looking at resources and given that we're looking at what it means to be people of faith, deeply spiritual and always growing, hear what, the, what, what this writer says. But notice some other interesting things about what happens in the midst of this scripture. And I'll come back and give you the test. So listen carefully. Yeah. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and abundant welfare they will give you. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and of people. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My child, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves the one he loves, as a father the son in whom he delights. Happy are those who find wisdom and those who get understanding, for her income is better than silver and her revenue better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called happy. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My child, do not let these escape from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and prudence, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you sit down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden panic or of the storm that strikes the wicked. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan harm against your neighbor who lives trustingly beside you. Do not quarrel with anyone without cause when no harm has been done to you. Do not envy the violent and do not choose any of their ways. For the perverse are an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. Holy word. Holy wisdom. Holy word. 
Thank you. To God. That's all right. He did good. It's a long reading. That's right here. I would like to engage you this morning in a different way. Normally, this is how I preach at first service, of asking kind of rhetorical questions, of having responses. Um, and I think this morning it's important that we do that this way. Uh, it's not, again, normally in this service what I'll do is stand and preach to you. This morning I'd like us to share some this morning with each other. We'll get there in just a moment. I want you to think about what it has taken for you to get where you are in this life, of, of the kinds of elements that have engaged you, the kinds of learning that you did. I want you to think about where you are right now and whether or not you see yourself as being complete and done with learning. And I want to ask the question of you, do you see yourself currently knowing everything you need to know and complete in knowledge and skill and everything? Are, uh, anybody there? Why the laughter? <laughs> What's amazing? What did you say, bud? Good job. <laughs> oh, bud is. Okay. Thanks, Greg. Um, but... But none of us do, do we? I, I think for most of us, healthy people, and this isn't to say if you think you're there, I just want to have a conversation with you to help me understand how you got there because I'd like to get there. I think for most of us, learning is a lifelong process. It is something that we want to continually engage in. And what's amazing right now are all the current studies about Alzheimer's. That if you choose in retirement, whatever that means, to stop learning the risk of Alzheimer's for you increases exponentially. It does. And in the midst of Alzheimer's, what they're finding now is that if you currently have that terrible disease, that there are still ways to engage your mind that will decrease the power of it for you. More and more and more studies are talking about the power that is our minds. But what does that mean for a church? And that's been this ongoing debate. It was amazing this morning. And again, I said I'm not going to talk about first. I'm going to talk about one more thing. One of the things that I brought out, and I will again this service, is this book. What you have before you on these two tables are the resources that I used and continue to use the last year and I'm going to use in the coming year. This is part three of a study out of Barna Institute about why youth, young adults, and young families are staying away from church. I love the title, You Lost Me. Notice what that says. I didn't leave. You lost me. And one of the reasons that people are staying away in droves is because of the lack of engagement that very few of our youth, young adults, and I will say even some many of our adults, no matter the age, really don't want to sit and just listen to somebody talk for 20 to 30 minutes on any given Sunday morning. What these guys are looking for is a deeper level of engagement. They want to be able to hear the stories of others. They want to hear not only the struggles, but the successes of those who, with whom they're sharing a planet. They want to hear so much more about what the resources may be and how to engage 
in a completely somewhat, two words don't go together, non-judgmental, open and accepting way. Interesting, too, that we live in a time that, 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 the, that the phrase spiritual but not religious comes up over and over and over and over again. Roger was sitting right where Angie was this morning, and as I engaged some of the conversation with First Service, they said, you know, what has been uh, transformational for you uh, over this last year? And I'm going to ask you that question here in a few minutes. He talked about his new role as president of his PTA, or PTSA. I keep calling it PTSD because I think that they're similar. <laughs> but, but PTSA. And what he has found are an incredible amount of very godly people, but who don't go to church. Because they don't want to go to church. They don't want to sit in a hard pew. They want to engage life in a very spiritual way, but not with religious dogma. That's where we are today. I'd like us to engage that way. Now, that does not mean that we shouldn't have a traditional worship service in the church. We should. We need to have that. For those of us for whom that is how we worship best, with beautiful piano and organ, with hymns, with the, the liturgy that is so beautiful, with formality that may not be present in other places in our lives, with traditions that help us re-engage our spirits in ways that many of us have grown up with. Absolutely, as long as I'm the pastor at this church, we will always have a traditional service. There may come a time like this Sunday where it may be a little less traditional. I won't wear my robe or I'll engage you in a different way. But we need that because it engages a part of our souls that we don't otherwise engage in a way that brings comfort in the midst of that engagement. That's what the traditional service can do. We also need a contemporary service. But here's the deal. I think we need at least one if not two more services. I shared this with kind of the library resource committee uh, last week. One of the services that I think we need in this church isn't going to happen in this room. It's not. I think it needs to happen up the hill. Less than a mile from here is the second largest higher education institution in the state of Washington. Less than a mile from this church. And we have nothing other than a couple of staff folks who work there. Nothing that, I should point over here, nothing that engages or builds a bridge there. But I will tell you, now having had some conversations with some folks up there, there is a huge population up there that wants to engage in conversation around spirituality and are intrigued with what it means to be Christian. And they probably will never darken the doors of the church. Here's the risk for us, is we judge them, we judge them because they aren't going to darken the doors of a church. Well, what was interesting is, sitting right back there, was a young adult who has graduated from Bellevue College and then Seattle University, who just began his new career with Boeing as a financial analyst for that. He... <laughs> Literally, at coffee hour, backed me into the corner. And you know what he said? You build that church, I will bring every friend that I have. 
you offer that, and I will tell you that you won't be able to hold the number of people, and they may not be here, they may be up there, that want to explore at that level in a place that is not judgmental. And have you or others in your congregation help teach us what it means to explore things spiritually? We have yet to find that. He mentioned seven churches. Seven churches that he has attended in the last two years. And he always attended there two to three times. Just to see if what he saw the first time was real. And then thought, I don't want to exist in this kind of judgmentalism. I want to be able to explore and discover who I am. And here was the other quote. Who God needs me to be. Did you hear that? That's the other service. There's a fourth that I want that deals with engaging souls at a completely different level. And it's a Compline service. It's a service of Gregorian chants where people could come into the sanctuary with their blankets and pillows and, and just spread out and recline or sit or lie down or whatever's most comfortable. And I need eight male or combined voices to sing Gregorian chants and to do small readings. It is the fastest growing service in Seattle right now. And every week at St. Mark's. And what's amazing about that service is that if you go and you attend that service, which, by the way, begins at 9.30 at night and goes for about 40 minutes, is it's older folks, teenagers, children, and everything in between. And there's something that happens, and you see the calm that goes over the faces of those folks when they hear that beautiful, tight harmony Something happens in the soul. And again, there is research around what that is. Something engages there that people can't find without that. So my question to you, in the last year, what has been transformational for you? And I want to open this up just for a few moments. In the last year, what have you experienced or what have you read Or what have you watched or seen that has been in some way transformational for you? And if you're not comfortable answering the question, it's okay, because I've got other things I want to talk about, especially what's on these tables. But I want to ask the question. Anybody? Yeah, Norma. I'm sorry, what transforms a church? (laughs) What what, what is it that you read that transforms a church? I just want you to say it out loud one more time. Really? Wow. Praying, members praying for and with each other transforms a church. And did you hear the first thing she said about the transformation in her because of you, because of this church? Anybody else? I, I, I don't want to stop this right away. And what I want to invite you to do is continue to, to, to pray. Yeah, John? I think uh, dealing with the, my brother's uh, illness when he transitioned from a period of complete rejection, objection to a a period of peace and uh, harmony with the world and accepting uh, of his own personal demise, if you will. Okay. Transformational. Transformational. 
Thank you for those. On the table, on the t- these two tables before you are, again, some of the resources that, that I will use on, uh, and have used over this past year, and some of these are uh, resources that I will use going forward. Let me just, I want to just introduce a couple to you. These are in order, and the order is based on the first commandment by Jesus that quoted the Shema in Deuteronomy of, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But as I said in the opening prayer, there has to be an intentionality. It doesn't just happen. There has to be an intentionality on our part of making decisions that we are going to go deeper and study and learn about our heart, using our minds, helping our souls get stronger, and even physically gaining ground. Uh, one of the, the books that I've discovered this in the last three or four weeks is just the weirdest title I've ever seen. It's called SQ-21. It sounds like some you know, science fiction movie. But what this is is by Cindy Wigglesworth, and uh, what a terrible name for somebody who is writing about spirituality. But, but, but I, I mean... But this book has been transformational for me because what Cindy does is, and by the way, there's nothing inherently um, Jesus-oriented in this. It's really spiritual and, and what she identifies as spiritual intelligence. You have there, I mean, the, the new studies around about emotional intelligence and intellectual intelligence and, you know, alternative intelligences and all those kinds of things. What she has done out of being a senior, I mean, vice president at Exxon, found over and over things that were missing in her life and began to move toward um, the spiritual. What she's identified are 21 places that we need to engage in an order that will help us deepen our own spirituality, our own understanding of faith. And and the beauty of this is no matter whether you're coming from a Christ-centered place or another place, uh, I have begun to work through this, and I will tell you, it's been transformational. It's an exquisite book, and it's not even that thick. I put it over a motion on the, the, the heart place um, on the table, but I could move it from here to here to over there and even over to the physical because she deals with that. Um, another book that, that I've talked about quite a bit is you know, probably the most obnoxious man to ever walk the earth is Robert McKee. And yet at the same time, Robert McKee is the most renowned and respected film writer um, kind of person also on the planet. And and heard about Robert when we were living in Santa Monica and just heard horror stories about being in one of his classes. And yet at the same time, every person who would say that would talk about this book. It's a book of incredible philosophy about how it is that we write or tell our own stories. And the depth and the importance of that, of what makes good film. But he doesn't just talk about what makes good film. He talks about what makes good life. And it's an amazing, amazing book. In the ancient times, emotion wasn't located around here on the heart. In ancient times, emotion was located in the most obvious place, right here. And particularly people in the ancient times would look at the eyes because the eyes would constantly tell you about the emotion. And they would say that the deeper emotions could be seen most readily 
through the eyes. And then Jesus comes back and says what? The eye is also the lamp of the soul. What are you doing intentionally in your life today that is helping you gain strength emotionally? Maybe the more important question is, what are you avoiding to gain strength emotionally? And how are you going to come to terms with that? And might this be a place where we might be able to explore at least some of that together? Mind. The mind is an amazing thing, as you know. And as I said about some of the current studies, Dorothy and I continue to read Daniel Amen's book, um, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. And I've learned an incredible amount about brain function and where things are located. And particularly, I mean, we, we kind of picked this up because of the struggles of our now 22-year-old son. And yet we, we're, we're finding incredible answers around here. And what you may not know about me is, is one of the things that I study, as much as I study theology or, or church stuff, is I love to study the Civil War. And what I'm specifically studying in the Civil War and have been over the last 20 years are the, how leadership emerged either healthily or unhealthily in the midst of that kind of crisis. And it's been amazing to, to, to watch and see in the midst of that kind of crisis how leaders emerged or rejected. There's so much here. One of my favorite books of all time, and if you haven't picked it up, pick it up. Um, those that know Bill Bryson and some of his work... I love him in the title, Bill Bryson, A Short History of Nearly Everything. <laughs> and it really is. And it's done in incredible humor, but the man has an amazing ability to, um, to, on so many levels, bring us to a place of deeper understanding about things. Another book that I have um, uh, really spent a lot of time is Kirkenberg's book, The Natural History of Puget Sound, of the Puget Sound Country. Um, and it deals with it sociologically, um, uh, geologically, and in, in so many ways. And it's just been intriguing to see kind of what's around this. In, in ancient times, the mind wasn't located here. The mind was located here. Now, just think about that. When's the last time you had a gut feeling? <laughs> Believe me, that's where it came from. The mind was located in the abdomen. And I have no idea why. Uh, maybe it's because that's where they felt the stress or, or, or that kind of thing. But that's in the ancient times. That's where the mind was located. And even then, they knew that, that you had to engage the mind in order to have everything else in your life positively affected. If you didn't engage the mind, you would, you would miss out. So what are you currently studying? What's engaging your mind right now that's going to keep you fresh and keep you sharp and how are you sharing that with anybody else what choices are you making right now to engage continually your mind over here is the soul section and believe it or not and Jeff this hits perfectly what you just said one of my most significant, among my more significant soulful kinds of mentors is John Muir. I know it sounds weird, right? But those that have read John Muir know, and this is, this is one of my favorite books of his, The Wilderness World of John Muir, a selection from his collected works. 
the man was as deeply spiritual as anyone. Here's a man who would, and I don't recommend this to a whole lot of people, would, in the midst of some of the huge storms in Yosemite Valley, would climb to the top of the tallest pine tree just to experience what a bit of the wind would feel like or what the tree would feel like as it swayed back and forth in 80 miles an hour. He would time to the top of Yosemite Falls when it was legal to do that. And he would come to the edge and peer over the edge because he wanted to experience what a drop of water felt like as it plunged over that abyss. Why? Because he believed that God created all of those things and it was up to him to not only experience those things, but to share them with others. And he would constantly share them with others. And it's why, believe it or not, he started Sierra Club. is so that all could experience what he experienced there. Whether you agree with Sierra Club or not, just remember where it came from. And it was John Muir. Other things, the, the study that I, that I'm, the daily meditation that I'm into right now is by Richard Rohr. It's called Yes And. It's an unusual daily meditation because it doesn't go through a scripture and a prayer and, and all those things. It's just a snippet of reading. Uh, Richard Rohr is, is, is one of the most profound spiritualists of today and, and coming from a Christian perspective but could be gained on any level from almost anywhere of a deepening understanding. On that note, let me say, and there's other ones up here, but on that note, let me say, I will confess to you that in those times where I am not in daily prayer or I am not studying or having some of these spiritual mentors teach, if I'm not spending that time of soul exercise, soul aerobics, if you will, the day changes. And it changes significantly. I can't see the things that I think God would want me to see. I can't experience the things that I think God would want me to experience. So I want to ask you today, what are you doing, not just overall, every day? What are you doing every day to exercise your soul? The proximity of the Bible this morning is exactly where I want it to be, in the center. And I'll come back to that in a second. But let me go back over here. Dorothy will tell you that I have had this in its package and have not opened it yet and had it for about three months. She gets really tired of me doing this. Right, dear? Yeah. But I'm going to open it. Because one of the things I've always wanted to learn was Tai Chi. I come out of a background of martial arts, but I haven't done it for probably 25 years. And I want to get back into it, but I want to do it this way in a peace-filled kind of way. And, and so this combines not only spirit, but also that physical pieces. Um, this is a shiny new book because of Dave Sanford, well, and a variety of other folks. It's Biking Puget Sound. <laughs> and, um, and out of that came this. And I will treasure this. For those that can't see this, this says, Group Health Seattle to Portland 2013 Bicycle Classic Finisher. Right, Dave? Now, we, we have those in this congregation, 10 of us who did that last year. Let me close with this thought. I could be here all day, as you know. Let me finish with that, though. 
What are you doing intentionally, physically, to make sure that your body is sound? And again, intentionality is the key word. What Jesus talked about here in quoting the Shema, this Old Testament wisdom, was it, it really does take all four to create balance in our lives. This is, these are not in priority order. You have to have them all in order to have balance. And to some extent, they have to equal each other out. I want you to think about that as we make this turn. I want you to place yourselves and challenge you to place yourselves in places this year as we study the Gospel of Matthew where you will engage in all four of these intentionally looking at your emotions and strengthening your emotions, strengthening your mind, strengthening your soul, strengthening your body. And it's not just about books. Sometimes it's about this. Why don't we just save some trees? This is my Kindle. And there's so much that can be found here that doesn't involve going out and buying a book or on your smartphone. But talk about intentionality. We talk for a service about not necessarily, you know, having our kids just engage with texting each other. But this opens up a world, a world of possibilities. Don't be afraid, for those of us that may be a little bit older, don't be afraid of this. It opens up a world of possibilities on so many levels. Gosh, we're going to do, we're going to do this this year, of building bridges to places like Bellevue College, of looking at being a place where people can explore their souls and their spirits in ways that maybe they hadn't had the opportunity to do before. This is that year where we really examine health from a scriptural perspective as we study Matthew, but also from a variety of perspectives. I will tell you again, I am more excited about this year, more excited about this year than I think I have ever been about any year ahead in ministry. So as we make that turn, will you pray with me? God, I thank you for what you have provided us. And there is no question but that every one of these pieces, in book form or in relationship form, whatever it may be, is provided us by you so that we might gain health. Help us see this place as holy ground. Not holy in a judgmental way, but holy in a way that helps us explore what you need us to be. Guide us in these endeavors. Focus us in. And as the scripture said, not just in ways that deal with you, and, but in ways of wisdom. I love the gender change in the midst of that scripture. Guide us. Equip us. Empower us. Focus us all as we seek to be even more appropriate followers of Jesus. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.